Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, reviews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host Fred Alvader. Fred, hi, how are you today? Carlos, fantastic. I want to tell you what, it was a really big week in professional golf around the world. Um Evidently, the USGA and the RNA Rules Task Force has not just been sitting on their hands. They announced a host of new rule changes for 2019. Rory looks refreshed in his return and ready for the Masters. And Michelle Wien, remember her? Playing on a sponsor's exemption, surprised everyone with a strong performance in Singapore. It was a big week in golf. We got a lot to talk about. Let's go, Carlos. Oh, man, you just mentioned two of the worst uh, words I can hear said together, one after the other. Task force. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were over this, but there's another one. Oh, no, man. I can't They're wrapping up, though. They, they did their job now. It's all good. We, we're so much better. The world is so much better with the new golf rules that we're going to talk about here in just a little while. So you mean to tell me that I have to accept the fact that task force task forces really work? Well, I don't know if they really work or not, but they, they did get something done. I don't know if it's all good or not. I mean, it's just like everything. There's some good, there's some not so good, and some that's kind of stupid. But they think it's all wonderful. So you know how that goes with a, with a task force. Everybody's got an opinion. You know, <laughs> you know what they say about opinions? Carlos, you ever hear the old saying about opinions? They're kind of like a kind of like an elephant's butt, you know. They're high and yeah. you know round and stinky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I started laughing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you asked. You asked, man. Sorry, I fell right into it. My bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let, let's start with the Wicked Backspin, where every week we recap the weekend's action in the major turn. In the majors, <laughs> you see how you got, got me. You got, now, don't you? <laughs> you got me all out, man. Major tour. <laughs> I'm gonna have an opinion on this later on, so we'll see. <laughs> Tell us, hey DJ, hey DJ, won on his uh, debut as the world's number one man. He's back to back. He's definitely here to stay, huh? How about that win by DJ? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week, and um, he put on a, uh, a really good show. I'll tell you what. What's really fun for me watching Dustin Johnson right now is from like 120 yards in, he is just. I mean those those wedges that he's sitting right now are just like laser. They're just they go on a line and they hit the green and they stick. Boom. And they're right on target. I mean he is he is just about the best wedge player right now on tour. I mean, 
I always watch that. You know, when Luke Donald was number one, he was great from 120, 150 in. Uh, you know, Jason Day was the same way. So was Jordan Spieth. And now, and now Dustin, I mean, man, his wedges are just out there. That shot he hit on 18 from the bunker uh, on Sunday, 152, 154 yards with a 52 degree, that thing came out of there nice and just boom. It was, it was great. Well, I'm telling you what, Carlos, if you missed the golf from the WGC Mexico Championship last week, you missed one of the best events of the year. With 49 of the top 50 players in attendance, the field features only the best players in the world right now. There was an exemption, the top Mexico player, Mexican player, uh, is on the web.com tour, but, you know, it was great to see him there. Much like the Rio Olympics, after much ado, moving the WGC from Doral, Mexico proved to be a wonderful place to hold a golf tournament, except, of course, the intestinal problems that forced the withdrawal of a couple of players and caddies. Um, the tight tree-lined golf course, a lot of hills, very small, undulating greens. It reminds one of a tighter Augusta National. All that while I'm looking at this place, I'm thinking about Augusta National. Wonderful golf course to watch an event on. Players were forced to hit shots. The trees were big. They were thick. They were close to the fairway. Then they were at 7,500 foot of elevation, so it forced the players and their caddies to do perplexing mouth calculations on every shot. I mean, it was just amazing. We have to talk about Saturday's third round. We usually just sum up. And, I, Carlos, I'm going to take a little bit of time here, so you can take a nap or something if you want to, because okay. I've got a lot to talk about. I'm going to go uh, back. I, Don't worry. I'm, I'm relaxing. I've got a lot right. to talk about. I'm telling you, this. I was really into this golf tournament. I was into this more than any tournament so far this year, and I had – the least uh, expectations going into it. Let me say that. Can I can I ask you one thing? Just yeah. one thing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking, and let me just give this preview to our listeners. We're going to be talking on the practice range about the WGCs and all that. Do you are going to have anything to say about WGC Mexico? Back I then? am. I oh am. I got two page, okay. I got two more pages for you. Oh my goodness, yeah. people! There he goes. <laughs> I got stuff. <laughs> Ahead, Just give man. me a subject, Carlos. I can go off, man. <laughs> go on, go on. Anyhow, Saturday's third round, just one of the most exciting days of golf you're ever going to see on TV with Pro, the PGA Tour. It was better than a major. It was better than the, the Masters. I mean, it was great. Saturday's golf telecast, and I, I texted you, and you were, you were doing something else. You couldn't watch it. And I'm telling you, if you could go back and get a tape, play of that or something, I mean, it would be worth it because it was just outstanding. Every shot, just, you know, when they'd switch frame, I mean, it was just something new every time. Saturday's golf telecast featured Bill Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, and Warren McElroy. Just outstanding. Chip-ins, holes in one, fantastic station with trees, a strategy, a bombers. I mean, it had it all on a wonderful golf course. Let's talk about Rory. In just his first event back after six months away from competitive golf, I'm sorry, six weeks away from competitive golf, he appears to be ready to contend for majors. He consistently hit his driver up over the trees, cutting the dog legs and shortening the par fours to near pitch and putts. I mean, he was hitting it within 60 yards 
of the green, and you know they're 400 and some yard par fours, and he's taking it up over the corner and landing in front of the green. Um, he played with no fear, attacked while most of the field was laying up, hitting irons off the tees, taking the more traditional approach. At 10 under on Saturday night, he was just two shots behind the leader going into the final round. That's, that's a pretty good return for his first event back after six weeks off. So, Phil. Phil was unbelievable. Unbelievable. His round on Saturday, I mean, he could not keep the ball anywhere near a fair. I'm not talking like five yards off a fairway. I'm talking like 25, 30 yards Either way, he was hitting it right, he was hitting it left, and they were going way offline. He was under bushes. He was in the deep stuff. I mean, he was in a different zip code. I'm not sure he was on the same golf course. He scrambled for the most amazing pars ever witnessed. In one four-hole stretch, he hit some of the worst shots I've ever seen in my life, and he made par on three of the four holes. He only made one bogey out of that. And how he did that, most guys would be double, double, bogey, double. I mean, they would be like six or seven over on those four holes, and he played them in one over, and he didn't see a fairway. Um, only took 21 putts, hit, hit four fairways for the day, okay? Only hit eight greens. He had nine pars, six birds, and three bogues. He avoided doubles, even though he was hitting it so far off target. I mean, it's just Phil being Phil, I guess. He finished at minus three for the day if he did the 10 under. And, again, he was only two shots behind the leader, Justin Thomas, at the end of 54 holes. Jordan Spieth, eh, well, he didn't do anything. He just set a new course record, 63 on Saturday, put himself in the mix for the final round. Didn't play that well on Sunday, but, man, he had a great Saturday. Jordan's buddy, Justin Thomas, who already has three wins this season, continued his stellar play and held the 54-hole lead at 12-under. He showed off his trouble shot-making prowess by making miraculous saves from the trees and even hitting a low punch shot out of trouble that found the bottom of the cup on Friday. Dustin Johnson used his driver sparingly. Carlos, I don't know if you saw this, but on the, the first hole on Saturday, okay, Dustin Johnson hit a two-iron. It's a 322-yard par four. So he hits two iron off the tee, just hits it to the middle of the green, knocks in the putt for a double eagle to start the day off. Just, I mean, for an eagle to start the day off. Just, you know, no big deal. Two iron, putt, let's go. That's a two on a four. That was just Saturday. And like I say, it was the best day on the tour this year by far. Nothing's been even close. So let's go to Sunday. Sunday saw the newest number one in the world win his second consecutive title with a superb 300 par 68 to finish at 14 under, win by one stroke over Tommy Fleetwood, who fired a final round 66 to move up five spots. The million zero forty five he earned will give him to a membership status if he chooses it. Another Englishman, Ross Fisher, fired a 65 to finish T3 with John Rahm, who had another great week and was in the lead for a brief time on Sunday. And a couple three putts, couple you know, made a couple bogeys coming in and dropped him down. Rom, who was paired with his good buddy Phil Mickelson on Sunday, is now number six on the FedEx Cup ranking. Had three top tens in his last four starts and has earned 
$2.2 million this season. In eight starts this year, Rom has not missed a cut, plus he's only finished outside the top 25 twice in eight starts. I think he's had three top tens in his last four starts, something like that, which includes a win. We've been talking a lot about Thomas Peters over the last year, and his T5 finish in Mexico paid 312000 which combined with the 616 year in the will give him to PGA Tour membership. Justin Thomas struggled on Sunday to a, to a 1 over 72 that dropped him to T5 with Peters. Brad Snedeker fired a nice little 65 on Sunday, moved up to T7. He was with Mickelson and Warren McElroy, who both carded 71. Tyler Hatton, another European name that we keep mentioning on the show, had another solid week and is making a name for himself in the world of golf. Finished solo 10th. Spieth just can't find consistency. You know, a couple of loose shots cost him a 71, 72 in the first two rounds, followed by the course record 63. But then he, you know, again, a couple of loose shots coming in. Uh, he had a nice round going. He was going for the pin on 17, dunked in the water. So uh, that kind of ended his day. Another guy that you like, Sergio Garcia, ended up T12. Uh, he was tied with J.B. Holmes. Fabrizio Zanate, yet another European tour player. Europeans did quite well in Mexico. They captured four of the top six spots and eight of the top 16. To say that this event far exceeded everyone's expectations is a gross understatement, which leads to the discussion, Carlos, that you alluded to that we will have later in the show in the practice range. You know, it makes one wonder if more of the WGC events should be held outside the boundaries of the United States. What do you think? I'll leave that answer for the practice range, but yeah, I have to mention, you know, DJ definitely continues to impress. I mean, he joins now Ian Wisdom, David Duval, VJ Singh, and Adam Scott as the only golfers to have won on their first event since becoming the world number one. He has now uh, his, this was his fourth WGC title. Only Tiger Woods has more. Uh, and he now has 14 PGA Tour titles and has extended his lead atop the official World Golf Rankings. Also, just have to mention, it was a great week for the Europeans. You already mentioned all of them, how they how they fared there, six of the top ten. Uh, and I have to mention Tommy Fleawood, who lead the charge among the European, picking up uh, over a million dollars for his biggest payday as a professional. With that result, he has moved into the 35th place on the official world golf rankings that's quite a climb for a man who had fallen as far as 188th towards the end of last year so Fleetwood won in Abu Dhabi earlier this year and he now leads the race to Dubai standing so he's having an outstanding outstanding year and of course rookie of the year on the PGA Tour John Ram I mean he just confirmed that he has the game to mix it with and beat the very best in the world. Had it not been for a couple of three putts there at the end, he would have been right there for the win. Watch out for him. I told you, he, you, you can hand it to him right now. He's the rookie of the year this year. Hands down. No problem. There's not going to be even close. This is a non-contest for the rookie of the year, John Rand. But hey, uh, let's talk about, there was also some action on the LPGA and 
Here's the question. Break? What break? I mean, MB Park. She popped into the winner's circle after taking six months off from the game like it was nothing. Pots well, she had from a practice. She had a, she, had a, she had a practice last week. What do you want? You know, geez, she had a week back. <laughs> yeah, but on the PGA, LPGA, wasn't, she wasn't there. So it, it was like nothing. She was, pots were fa- falling from everywhere on Sunday. I mean, she poured in nine birdies to coming from three back and hold up the hottest players on tour with a record closing under eight under 64. The reserve park made a statement in Singapore. And hey, that you know what that is? She is back and in a big way. Park, who hit 17 greens, her first miss coming on the 18th hole and took only 27 putts. You know what she said? She said, and I quote, today was pretty much uh, everything I looked at. It, it, it wanted to drop in everything I was sh- shooting. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago that an ailing Park struggled to finish tournaments to even qualify for the LPGA Hall of Fame. A lingering thumb injury made her future on tour seem doubtful. But then she shocked the world in Rio by taking the Olympic gold after a two-month break. Maybe she's uh, just made for this kind of breaks, you know. At the HSBC Women's Champion, Park stunned once again, winning in only her second start since last August. Park said she was surprised because uh, she thought it may maybe take a couple of months to kind of get back on the tour and to get her rhythm back. Her goals for this year was to win another major. The 28-year-old has seven to her credit thus far. I don't know about you all, but but a victory so early in Singapore signals that even a bigger year might be on tap. The leaderboard on Sunday featured the hottest players on tour, with world number one Lydia Ko and number two Adia Yutanagarin in the mix, along with recent winner Hannah Yang, Brooke Henderson, and hotshot rookie Song Yun Park. Park casually took them all down with her steady and stoic approach. It was clinical. Imbe. That was Imbe. Pure Imbe. Jutanogar, who played along her uh, and finished one shot back, said, and I quote, I learned a lot from her. She's very calm. I feel like she makes every putt she wants to make. End of quote. No kidding. I mean, sometimes I feel Imbe can make a putt from anywhere, and he's not faced by anything. She has the same demeanor every time. But while she made the closing statement, the final round began with great anticipation regarding Michelle Wee. Definitely all that expectation lets you know that she's still the LPGA's most famous player. I was one of the so many that wanted her to win again so badly. Golf fans on the East Coast stayed up late to see if Weezy could pull off her first victory since the 2014 U.S. Women's Open. She was playing on a sponsor's exemption, had just one top 10 uh, finish since the start of the 2015 season when she came to Singapore. And here she was, hitting greens and draining pots for the first three rounds like the superstar she was born to be. And then it happened. We, trying to take a three-shot lead onto the fifth hold with a good look at birdie, walked off with a double bogey after a jarring four-pot. And while we made a few good rolls after that, nothing was falling for her. She closed with an even par 72 to finish tied for fourth with Brooke Henderson and Hannah Young. But perhaps we can now ride the moment into the West Coast swing where she's had much success over the years at the A&A Inspiration. 
Parks, Inby Parks is surely already thinking about Rancho Mirage, California, where she won in 2013 to kickstart a run of three major victories. If you might remember, in another note, if you might remember our LPJ previous show on January 31st, I mentioned that the player I am most looking forward to see play this year on the LPGA is Song Young Park. Now in her first full year on the LPGA, she played four equal rounds of 68 to finish at 16-under in solo third. That name will keep popping up at top the leaderboards everywhere, and I assure you, by the end of the year, she will be challenging Imbe, Lydia, and Aria for number one honors. And I'll say it again. I wouldn't be surprised if she wins a major. Last year, she finished in the top three in two of the season's five majors. Like I said just a little later earlier to you and the guys, John Ram will run away with the Rookie of the Year honors. Park will be doing the same on the LPGA. Watch out. Remember that Song Young Park. Lydia Cole, like Michelle, just didn't have anything on Sunday. She played an even round of 72 and dropped in the leaderboard to finish tied for ninth. But the weekend, once again, was all about Inbay Park. On Sunday, she became the first player to win the HSBC, otherwise known as HS Major, two times. She now owns 18 LPGA titles and is projected to move from 12th to 9th in the world. Now in her 11th season, uh, Fred, on the LPGA, she has $13,059,376 in career earnings, putting her 7th on the all-time list. And it seems she's not stopping her climb anytime soon, Fred. I can't wait to see her battling with the youngsters and still teach them a thing or two. Yeah, it's almost like she's saying, you know, you know, you gun girls had your fun while I was gone, but uh, that's all over now. I'm back. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Hey, you know, um, Michelle, what do you, what do you think? Do you think this is a good sign for her? you think we're going to see some, some good play out of her now, or what do you think? I certainly hope. I, I, I was one that was watching to see if she could finally win it. Unfortunately, she couldn't. She couldn't get anything to drop after that double bogey there on the fifth. And I think that that really, that really did hurt. She was like off. After that, she wasn't as, as, as confident. Uh, she didn't seem like the, that player that we saw in those first three rounds. But hopefully, like, like I mentioned, she's done well usually in the West Coast swing. So hopefully that, this gives her that confidence. Especially going into the ANA inspiration, hopefully she'll be she'll be back. It's going to be good for golf that if she's uh, playing well this year, and if Inbe's playing the way that she's playing, and uh, with Aria, Lydia, wow, it, I can't wait to see what the LPGA has in store this year. There's a lot of talent there. The, the fields just keep getting deeper and deeper, don't they? Yeah, um, Carlos. We're going to have uh, Wendy Doolin on the show later. Uh, she's going to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, LPGA Tour and the Legends Tour, which she's now playing on. But uh, the Legends Tour kicked off their season uh, last weekend in Arizona, and Julie Inkster just has to feel like she's stealing money when she keys it up on the Legends Tour. Um, she's now 56 years old. She has 43 worldwide titles, 31 LPGA Tour titles, but still competes with the kids on the regular tour from time to time and finishes, like, you know, in the top 15 pretty regularly. Well, Julie won the Walgreens Charity Classic on the Legends Tour, the first event of the season uh, in Arizona. She fired 68-64 to win by four shots over Michelle Redmond. Betsy King was third. 
like I said, we're going to learn more a little more about the Legends Tour. We're going to talk about uh, the new uh, major that's going to be on the Legends Tour uh, this year in our VIG segment uh, with Wendy. And um, so I'm going to leave it right there, Carlos, and turn it back to you. Definitely. We, you don't want to miss that. We're going to have that on the VIG that's going to be right after the practice range. And to finish off our weekend backspin, let's talk about the European tour where Dean Burmester of South Africa, he fired a closing round of 65 at the Pretoria Country Club to win the Shawani Open by three strokes from Jorge Campillo of Spain and Finland's Miko Korhonen. Dean Burmeston, he began the final round of the Shawani Open at the Pretoria Country Club. A shot behind the leader is that he moved into a chair at the top of the board with a birdie on his opening hole. The South African made further gains at the second and third holes to move in front on his own and more birdies at the sixth, eighth, and ninth holes. Saw him turning just 29 strokes. Although he stumbled a little on the run for home, he had more than enough distance to, from himself to, from the pack and hold on for his first European Tour win. Jorge Campillo and Miko Koronen shared second place after closing rounds of 68 and 67 respectively. American Peter Uline took fourth place on his own. This was the 27-year-old Dean Burmester's first European Tour win. He had no playing right on the circuit at the start of this year, but has proved he has what it takes to win professional golf tournaments. He has six Sunshine Tour victories to his name. He finished top 10 in the BMW South African Open and then secured a seventh place in Abu Dhabi. With this win, he moves from 144th to inside the top 100 at 95th on the official World Golf Rankings. And he's an interesting prospect. He sharpened his teeth as a youngster on the Big Easy Tour there at home and had five seconds in one year. Then two years later, he had four wins on the Sunshine Tour. He's, a, he's had an amazing summer here. Like I mentioned, he had that seven, solo seventh in Abu Dhabi with the big boys playing. So it will be interesting to see him mon- and monitor his progress. Peter Uline of the U.S., he continues his good start to the 2017 European Tour season. He followed that top 10 in South Africa and Dubai with a fourth place this week. He carted rounds of 65 and 66 on the weekend to move dramatically up the leaderboard. Also enjoying a fine run of form is England's Gene Morrison. He, he was tied sixth this week to follow a tie for fourth in last week's Joe Burke Open. And finally, it was a disappointing day for Scotland's Scott Jamieson. He shared the lead with Alexander Bjork of Sweden coming into the final round, but he then he slumped to a close in 78 and finished a week in a tie for 22. Fred Scott had made Scott made three double bogeys on Sunday at Pretoria Contact Club, and that did him. So if you don't have anything else, then we'll close up the weekend backspin. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's take our first short break, and when we come back, we're going to move then to the Par 5 News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraftSports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraftSports. Now, back to the show. And we're 
we're back, and now it's time for the Part 5 News. And Fred, every week, you take the T-shot, and you have a big one. Because you started talking about it, there was a task force that revised the rules of golf. And apparently, apparently there's a lot of golfers there. There's some mixed emotions there. I've seen some mixed reactions. But anyway, tell us all about this task force that did some reviewing. I'm going to jump right into that, Carlos. But uh, just first of all, I want to mention real briefly that the March issue of NWO Golf Links will come out, uh, will be distributed tomorrow morning. Uh, If you are not on the list and receive it, you can go to nwo.back, B-A-C-K, the number nine, mediagroup.com. Sign up there or click on the cover and it will open up the issue, nwo.back, nine, mediagroup.com. And also, uh, Carlos, uh, we want to urge everyone that has access to Roku TV to go on and view uh, Back 9 Report TV. Uh, I taped a new show uh, earlier this week, and as soon as the editor gets done with it, it will be up and posted, and we're starting to put more videos on there. So we will have some lesson videos. We'll have some travel videos. We have some fitness videos on there, some, some great winter exercises if you want to get loose and get ready for the spring. So I did want to mention that, Carlos. I'm sorry. I'll just mention that real briefly, but Yes, you are right. Um, last week, the joint task force of the USGA and the RNA came up with a list of changes to the rules of golf to be implemented in 2020. The rules of golf can only be altered every four years, and if you remember, the famous non-anchor rule change became effective just January 1 of last year, 2016. But this time... The rules makers actually put some thought into making the game maybe slightly easier for the average golfer to play and even considered making the game a little quicker to play. They had previously announced a new ball at rest policy for the putting green, call that the Dustin Johnson rule. Based off the unfortunate situation the USGA found itself in the 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont last summer, when video rules officials deemed Johnson's ball had moved on the green prior to his stroke and was not replaced to its original position. A new addition is no penalty for a player inadvertently hitting his caddy, attending the flag stick. Don't never hit your caddy, Carlos. That's, that's bad for him. Your caddy's not, you know, he's not going to like that a bit. So you don't want to hit your caddy. Uh, but you're not going to get a penalty if you do, okay? So that, that's good. Um, there are several changes to taking a drop that uh, you may want to look at. Um, there's a new embedded ball uh, rule. A player may take relief without penalty for an embedded ball anywhere except in the sand or in the general area uh, unless a local rule has been adopted restricting relief. Um, player can continue to use a club damaged in the normal course of play. In the past, you had to take that club out. If you hit a rock or a, um, a tree root or something and bent a club, uh, you had to take that out of play because now it was a non-conforming uh, club. But now, if it was damaged in the normal course of play, you can continue to use it if you want. You cannot replace a club damaged in anger, just like always, that doesn't change. You can use distant measurement devices, range finders, unless a local rule prevents usage. Um, here is a big one uh, for the uh, LPGA Tour players. 
The new rule is a caddy is not allowed to stand on a line behind a player while the player is taking his or her stance and until the stroke is made. You know, you've seen this. LPGA tourists love this. They have a habit of having their caddy line them up on every shot. Uh, ready golf is encouraged. Players should, you know, just because you're away, if you're, if you're ready and you're ahead, go ahead and play. Let's keep moving on. Players should play within a 40-second time frame. Uh, there are several other refinements in the rules, and this is the largest list of changes I have ever seen to the rules of golf at, at any one time. Um, there are various, um, every magazine, everything you want to pick up has something in about it. Golf Channel has some stuff on there. Uh, they have a nice graphic there to look at. Uh, Global Golf Post uh, had a nice article about modernizing the rules. Um, also, Golf Week, uh, just Golf Digest, on and on and on. So if you want to know about the rules, go to the USGA. The easiest thing to do is go to USGA.org, click on the rules. There's video on there. There's everything there. Matter of fact, I'm going to be putting some of those videos on to the Back Down Report TV. Uh, we're going to kind of put those on a little bit at a time. So uh, those will be there also. You know, will these rules do any good? Well, we'll see. Um, they are chipping kind of away at some of the fundamentals of play it as it lies. Uh, loose impediments in the bunker. Uh, tapping down spike marks on the green. You know, does this slow the game down? Um, divots in the fairway have still not been addressed. Um, that's kind of hard to identify maybe sometimes. But, you know, when you roll up there in an old divot, and have to, if you're playing a tournament, you have to get out of there, uh, still makes uh, kind of gets under your skin a little bit. Jeff Shackelford, uh did a poll, uh, and this was kind of interesting. Um, 44%. Uh, still unchanged, the, the rules they haven't done anything about. 44% said the stroke and distance for out of bounds, something should be done with that. 26% said the divots that I just referred to. 11% were scorecard related about signing your scorecard or, you know, those kind of things. 14% uh, were about uh, maybe bifurcation of rules, different rules for professionals and amateurs, and we talked about that in the past. So, uh, this thing has really uh, stirred up a lot of debate. Uh, golfers are looking at it. Uh, as I mentioned, if you have rules, if you have questions, first place to start is the USGA website. Site. As I mentioned, they have a series of videos. The Golf Channel has a great chart listing the pertinent rules. I've looked at that a couple times this week. Um, also, at the USGA um, website, there's a place, if you have a question, you can just click on and ask a, a USGA rule staff a question via email. So they will reply to you and, and get you an answer if you are, have a question. So, Carlos, there's a lot of information out there. I just kind of breeze through these. Uh, we could take all night. Uh, the next We could take the next four or five shows talking about each one of these <laughs> things. But uh, I, I'm not a rules guy. So, as a matter of fact, I don't really play by the rules. Um, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a Sunday golfer anymore. I, you know, I really don't. I, I have to say, I do not. I, I absolutely do not. I, I just go out and play to have fun. Uh, if I'm playing somebody for a couple bucks, yeah, I play by the rules. But I don't do that very often. And uh, I don't play in tournaments anymore unless I'm playing in a scramble someplace uh, a couple times a year. But um, <clears throat> for me, I just like to go out and have fun. 
And if I want to get a second ball or I roll it out of a divot or, you know, whatever, uh, I'm not going to worry about it. So it doesn't really it does, – they don't matter to me, but for people to play really serious golf uh, and really keep track of their scores, then they got to know these rules, Carlos. You can't be serious, man. You can't be I'm serious. serious. This is, a John this is a John McEnroe sighting right now. You can't be serious. Right. Uh, wow. Serious is a heart attack. People See, get I'm, way I'm not, too serious about this golf thing. Huh? I'm too serious. I'm not going to give it away, but you just have proven more of the point that you're going to talk at the end in the final thoughts. You definitely are one. So I'm not just going <laughs> to give am. it away. I know you're going to talk about it, but you just proved People, just wait until the final spot, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Brett just proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's one of what them. It is, so that's, what it is, Carlos, I'm an old guy who just doesn't give a crap anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to have some fun. I'm going to enjoy it. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, that delicious, uh, those proposed rules changes uh, have garnered a mixed reaction from the tour pros. Definitely, there seems to be an agreement that the modernizing of the rules golf is a plus, but some of those changes or an or an addressed issues like you have mentioned have brought some players the wrong way. Ian Poulter's thoughts. Who would know that Ian Poulter would air out his thoughts, right? Those are possibly the most intriguing of the bunch. He first praised the governing bodies for the willingness to possible possibly change to be clear. These are proposed rule changes, and even when any changes are finalized, they won't go into effect until 2019. So Ian was among the pro golfers who tweeted their support for the USGA and RNA's proposed rules changes, but he had one major critique too. He first tweeted that he was happy the governing bodies addressed the complex rules books, and he said on Twitter, and I quote, I am so happy the RNA and the USCA are addressing the complex, very confusing rule book. Common sense will help all enjoy the game of golf, end of quote. You know, Ian, come on, common sense, RNA, USGA, that doesn't go, that, that doesn't go together, right? So that got him thinking. He followed it up with two tweets covering a change he would like to see enforced. Poulter's gripe was regarding Green's books every PGA Tour player and caddy use on tour. The book contains detailed diagrams of every green that the players and caddies update frequently as courses make changes. Poulter's argument was that the books slow down pace of play and the art of putting has been lost because of them. One of his Carlos. tweets... Hey, Carlos. Can I, yes. I, I just want to interject here. You know, and these things are becoming digital now, okay? They're not just nice drawings that the caddies do where they used to put some lines and directional lines. I mean, these things are now digital. I mean, these things are really refined. So they're, they're getting these things right down to the nitty-gritty. Still, they're slowing down. They're slowing down. And, you know, one of his tweets then detailed his displeasure with those books. He ended his post by saying, some players will hate me for saying this, but it's the truth. The first of those two, two tweets had an open green books and said, and I quote, I hope the RNA and USGA now stop these books we can buy. Too much time is wasted trying to work out the line of the putt. Speed up play. 
And then he followed it up with another one that had a statement longer that read, and I'm going to read it to you. It's interesting. It said, the Tour Greens books should be banned. No one on the tour got a card because of the books. The art of putting has been lost. If you can't read a green, that's your fault. It takes too long for players and caddies to attempt to find A, the exact pin position on the green, B, the exact position of your ball, C, then too much time is spent looking at the book and not the green itself. Then the player asks the caddy to look at the pot. Simply takes too long. It'll, it will save players and caddies lots of time and will speed up play. RNA and USGA need to enforce this sooner than later. Some players will hate me for saying this, but it's the truth. You know, then his caption for that tweet was, you know, that I hope the RNA addressed this situation. Some players are in agreement about the screens books. Too much time is wasted in a book. You know, I read a lot. I, I then started to read a lot of the comments and replies to those tweets from Ian. and was actually surprised that a ton of people didn't actually know that this Greens book exist and they were supportive of Ian's position. But there was this lone follower at Island King 63 who replied, without Green Book, players are going to walk up to the Green to visually inspect. It's going to be delayed. Sad. You know, my position is on this that he said and all that Ian has been saying is the same as the reply that from Boston on-air and production personality Rob Hardy Poole. He said on his reply, they visually inspect anyway, even with the books. Take away the book and it'll speed up the play. Now, here's my mini, mini rant on this, Fred. This mini is mini. <laughs> I really don't care one bit if that putt is the difference from winning the Masters or losing it. Speed it up. Reading putts should be like pit stops in car racing. It's whoever does it first. It's going to get better. You should have already made your reckon prior to the tournament. When you get there, just grab your putter, take a good look at it, and putt. The real reason why golf doesn't become more popular is how much it takes to play a single round. Forget about anything else. That's the truth. You can't get casual fans to watch somebody look and look and take another look and then think and rethink and then ask for a second opinion and then take another look before putting. And not to mention those long setting up putt rituals. Put a timer on it equal for everyone. What is equal to everyone is not an advantage. If you're good enough, you'll be good enough in 45 seconds or five minutes. You're more likely to overthink and second-guess yourself more and more as time passes by. Speed up play, and you'll see how you really get more fans. Fred, that, that's really the truth, and I'll stop it here. Otherwise, I'll keep going. Well, Carlos, I'm just going to mention real quickly, uh, you know, I said earlier, I don't play, you know, for score anymore, really. I just play to have fun. But when I was playing for score, um, you know, there would be times on a putt, um, I always put a lot of pressure on my putting because I was never that long, so chipping and putting was very important to my score. And uh, I, I really prided myself in being a good putter. So I took probably a little bit more time on the greens and uh, to make sure that I had it right. But a lot of times, not a lot of times, but once in a while you would get a putt that you just couldn't hardly make yourself pull the trigger on. Uh, you've seen, I mean, you, I'm sure you've had that, maybe a shot in the fairway or a chip shot or something where you just, you just didn't want to hit it. It just wasn't comfortable. And I think with a lot of these pros, uh, they use that book as a crutch 
and their mind is racing. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. You know, they're thinking about how many dollars they're going to lose if they don't finish, you know, if they fall out of this place and fall down a notch or two. Um, I think that, that, that book, that, that yardage book, uh, gets to be a crutch, and that's holding them up. It's another step in the process. And maybe, like you say, they need to do away with it. I don't know. I don't think they're going to do away with it, but they do need to speed it up. Just give it a brief glance. Okay, you know where it is. It's, okay, let's go. So it, it becomes a crutch, Carlos, and it, it's hard enough game, and they're playing for big money and, you know, their future and their family's dinner and all that kind of stuff. And so that I think that's what comes into it more than anything. But you know hey, what? Carlos, you know what? To me, to me, just a quick comment on that. Yeah. And that's sure. why I, I really don't – I said at the beginning, I don't care if that's for, for winning the Masters or not. You know, and I repeat, keep repeating, you you say, and there's a lot of people that say that, you know, that's be, that pot could cost them this and that. They're thinking just over too much. And just like you were saying yep. that you're playing for, for fun, that's that's lost here. It's just about money and money and money. Hey, if you just calm down and play the way that you're supposed to, enjoy the game again, you know, there, there should be just that, that redemption, that reward on it, that, that is not there anymore. It's just about, let me do this and let me see. And, and you said, like you say, like a crutch, like it's not going to work. It's not going to work because they're going to come keep rethinking and rethinking. And that's when then uh, those uh, overthinks and they think things wrong. They take the run shot. It's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen anyway. With uh, What I would say is with all the technology that is out there, throw out the book, give them a range finder, that'll be more easier, quicker, and, uh, you know, just make them make them legal. <laughs> the technology is out That's there. That's a whole nother thing. Don't, don't get started on range finders. That's a whole nother thing. I can rant. I can rant for the rest of the time on just that, so. Okay, let's, let's you know, just leave it for a Let's leave it for a Yeah. But you know what? Just one more thought on this. You know, uh, being older now, um, you know, with age, there does come, you know, you, you change. Um, you, you just, things are just not as important, uh, the minor things as they were when you were younger. Um, and, uh, you know, a missed five-foot pot, uh, it just doesn't. You know, it just doesn't mean what it meant when I was in my 20s or 30s. Um, you know, if I missed a couple putts in a round uh, that I was playing in a tournament when I was younger, I was mad for a whole week. You know, I'd go out and practice, you know, for an hour or an hour and a half on that particular putt or something, you know, uh, until I had it right. Today, I just, you know, I don't care. And so... You know, it, when you're younger, things have a higher meaning and they're more urgent. Um, so, and then you put on top of it what these guys are playing for. And they don't know if tomorrow's going to be their last round. Um, you know, are they going to be able to keep their card this year? They're playing for their job. You know, how would you, what would you be like every day at the office? If you had the pressure, if you didn't perform that day and reach certain goals that day, you weren't going to have a job tomorrow. I mean, that I do was, that every you know, day, man. I do that yeah, every day. <laughs> I, 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 it's not every day. I, yeah, you got to reach goals, but you got some time to do it. It's, it's, it's. Uh, 
you know, it's a tough life. We beat that to death. We're going to move on. Um, So this kind of moves in actually to our next thing a little bit. And we we talked about this issue a little bit, but something that caught my eye this week was uh, Golf News Net uh, ran an article last week about the higher frequency of injury to golfers on the PGA Tour. And so uh, why is this happening? Well, the short answer for me is that modern technology, track man, flight scope, et cetera, is so good at breaking down the numbers for lower handicap players, they're no longer concerned about a free-flowing swing that creates a solid strike. You know, they may, that, that may lack the distance and concentrate solely on creating as much club head speed as humanly possible without considering the consequences on the body. You know, it's like throwing a baseball. Uh, swinging a golf club is not a natural motion for most people. Um, it should be more natural, but it's not. Think about Bobby Jones, Ben Hogan, Sam Snead, Ernie Els, Fred Couples. You know, does it look like there's a lot of tension in those swings? I studied those swings at length. Those are long, flowing swings. Freddie Couples, with the exception of Freddie Couples, none of those really had problems with back issues. Freddie's had back issues on and off his whole career. Um, But they're longer, freer swings. Um, They they learned to swing a golf club before the advent of technology and the modern teaching method of swinging as hard as you can at every shot. You know, Rory just had came off the rib injury from swinging to our Jason Day and Justin Rose both sat out last fall to rest their young backs. We all know the problems Tiger Woods has faced. You know, he was one of the hardest swingers when he was young, but he still had a full-flowing swing until he switched to Haney, Hank Haney's method and Sean Foley's. Brandel Chambly may have a point about lifting that left heel. The modern swing involves keeping that left foot planted and creating as much tension as possible in the core and thus on the back at the top of the backswing. Just a slight lifting of the heel will relieve that pressure and still allow a full turn for maximum club head speed through the hitting zone. So that's the first thing. Number two, another reason for more injuries is the wrong type of heavy lifting in the gym. And that's, I think that is one of the biggest things of Tiger's problems, uh, along with something else we're going to talk about. But these guys look great in their form-fitting golf shirts, but lifting hundreds of pounds of weights and looking more like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, the gym should be more about flexibility and balance than building muscle mass. The third thing, too much rough. Deep, thick rough is good for keeping tour pros from scorching a golf course and making a mockery of the par, but is not good for hands, elbows, wrists, and shoulders when a golf club going 100 miles plus an hour meets the thick matted rough and abruptly brings a halt to the club head. That's just not good for you. Um, Number four, I've said this before, I keep harping on it, is the travel that these guys do. Um, I would like to see a study of the difficulty with sustained air travel and tightening of muscles, tendons, and ligaments. Plus, it's just a drain on a person physically 
when you jump off that plane and head directly to the golf courses like these guys are forced to do on a regular basis, it's just not good for you, especially if you've gone across a couple time zones. Number five, the way the scheduling now breaks out with a major event every month from April through August, and then they go right into the FedEx Cup and then a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup, it's just too many big events in too short of a time. Carlos is Touring pros travel more around the world, play more difficult golf courses, swing harder and lift more weights. The back, knees, shoulders, arms, and wrists are going to take the brunt of the stress, and once they take so much, they break. 2016, the scheduling with the majors and the Olympics thrown in made a very difficult year physically for many of these golfers. We're going to continue to see more and more of these injuries going forward on every tour but especially on the PGA Tour. Oh, man, that's that's tough. And that's something that we've talked about uh, at length here, about the injuries. And, and I think, you know, all that is true. And with all this, trying just to be the strongest, try to get the ball farther, try to hit it uh, faster. I mean, ah, uh, man, uh, I just, everything about the, that perfect swing and the real uh, science into it is just lost right now. It's just all about trying to be the, the strongest, the faster, how to get it longer. Uh, and really the art of hitting the ball is like lost among all, all this. And I hope that we can just go back to that. But I know that we're so far ahead with technology and all this that it's just not going to happen. Talking about technology, Fred, on Thursday, the Symmetra Tour wrote to the LPGA announced that for the first time in women's professional golf, there will be a Facebook Live broadcast made up of an all-female announced team for the season opening event at Florida's Natural Charity Classic. This is the first time that the Symmetra Tour has showcased live golf and the first time in golf that a broadcasting team will be all women. The chief business officer, Mike Nichols, said in a press release that the Symmetra Tour right now is growing rapidly both in the U.S. and international. So internationally, so they want to showcase these next-generation talents to a worldwide audience. And he's saying that the Facebook Live platform has emerged as a viable way from both from a distribution and economical standpoint. And I would say, yeah, more from an economical standpoint than anything else professional sports organization like theirs and to attract a larger audience. He says that this is really cutting edge and they're excited about this broadcast on exploring long-term options to broadcast more events. The Florida's Natural Shutter Classic starts on March 10th and at the Country Club of Winter Haven in Central Florida. It is a 54-hole tournament and the Facebook Live broadcast will take place from 4 to 6 p.m. on Sunday, March 12th. Hosting the tournament will be Amy Rogers, who serves as the managing director and host of LPGA.com. The lead analyst will be Karen Stopples. Stopples won the Weta Bix Women's British Open in 2004. Also serving as an analyst will be former LPGA and Symmetra Tour Sarah Brown. You know, the Symmetra Tour rode to the LPGA is beginning its 37th season this year. And uh, while I like the concept that they are going to 
I really don't like the Facebook Live platform, and I as this goes as a, a consultation that I was making. I have been making for the past few months about the Facebook Live platform, and is that the only the problem is that unless you are really getting those persons the, that the people that you want to reach are not followers of your platform, if they are not directly connected to you, they will never, ever know that you're transmitting, that you're broadcasting. So basically, you're not attracting any larger audience. You have to really market yourself to get them to follow you in order for them to see you through Facebook Live. You have to really go out and market yourself even more to make sure that they really get your no get noticed that you're doing this. So at the end of the day, that economical standpoint standpoint that they said that is better, uh, both from a distribution and economical standpoint, it really isn't because you really have to double your efforts, both in time and in money to get more uh, marketing into it and distribution. You're not distributing to anything. Facebook Live doesn't reach anybody that is not connected to you for it. So, it's a good start. It's a good thinking, but you know they they just have to think about something something else if they really want to really be better at distributing and at economically uh, reaching larger audiences. So if I ask you, is this something or nothing? From what I'm hearing from you, then is it's a nice start, but uh, Facebook Live is not that great a platform to do something like this unless. All of a sudden, the Sumatra tour gets uh, millions of new followers. That's correct. Totally correct. Totally correct. Okay. That's nothing right now. Nothing right now. It's a good start. It's a good thing, but it, it'll only reach as many people as uh, as they have connected in their face in their in their Facebook page, and not even then, because then for that to happen, those followers to get their their message that they are transmitting live unless they really know already, because they will know. Right now they are announcing that they were going to uh, broadcast this. But for the any casual fan that, that is a follower of them, they have to be on Facebook at that precise moment for them to get the notification that, hey, uh, the Symmetra Tour is uh, transmitting live now. Otherwise, they will never know. If they don't have those notifications and they're not uh, looking at it, they will never know that the Cementa Tour is really broadcasting something through Facebook Live. Very good. Thank you. Great report. Thank you. Um, Rory uh, was down in Jupiter for a couple weeks there before he went to Mexico. Uh, He actually sat down and had lunch with Tiger uh, says that the new, next few weeks will tell whether or not Tiger will play at the Masters. And he also said Tiger's in a very good place right now. So, speaking of a couple of golfers who have been sidetracked with injuries, uh, you know, Rory and both Tiger, um, they, they did have a friendly little lunch. According to Rory, they covered several topics, um, as he told the media down in Mexico last week. Woods was able to move around and is apparently no longer in a resting position. He said he was in very good spirits. Um, Rory, despite playing with what was diagnosed as a fractured rib, 
he lost in a playoff at the South African Open in January. He did end up missing four tournaments, four starts because of the injury. Um, you know, Tiger's heralded return to the rigors of professional golf had just taken a huge hit when he was plagued by back spasms at the Farmers Insurance Open, causing withdrawal from the Omega Dubai, as well as the Genesis Open and the Honda Classic. But anyhow, Rory went on. I think the good thing is mentally he's in a good place. He's got other things in his life that he's interested in, and it's not as if it's just golf. He's got other things, and that's great. He struggled with his body over the past couple of years. It's unfortunate because it won't allow him to do what he wants to do. It's tough. But I know that he's working hard to try and get back. Again, with your body, with injuries, it just takes time. Rory understands the problems with waiting to let the body heal sufficiently to return to competition. As I mentioned, he was out uh, this year for six weeks. He was out last year recuperating from that ankle injury sustained while playing soccer with friends. And the event here in Mexico was his first event back. Well, the rest seemed to have done Roy pretty pretty good because he was in contention. He did fade a little bit on the weekend, but uh, but he played pretty well. Asked whether he felt Woods might be back for the Masters, Roy hesitated, possibly. These next few weeks will probably tell. McElroy didn't offer up any other details other than to say he hopes to see Woods back. However long it is that it takes him to be healthy enough to get out here and play, even if he plays eight to ten times a year, that's a bonus for all of us. It's a bonus for him. It's a bonus for us. It's a bonus for golf in general just to have him involved. Show up, play the majors, play some of the other events that he feels that he can compete at, and I think golf is obviously better with him involved. Carlos, with the way the season started with Dustin Johnson, Nadeki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, and the rest of the top names, players performing well, do we really need to worry about Tiger Woods? Maybe it's time to move on. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's that's a tough question. And if you ask me, being such a great fan of uh, Tiger, I, I really don't want him to go this way. I want, him, I want him to go on his own terms, not this way. I really want to see him back. And like he's saying, uh, we're saying it's it's better for everybody if he's there. He's still he's the one that still moves the needle. And until that, I think that until we see him go on his own, and he finally says goodbye and all that, then we'll be able to move the page. But for now, I I really want him to go back and and, and prove that he can still play even some sort of uh, his game and contend and be there until he finally says, okay, it's over now. Now we can move on. No, I, I really would, I'm not ready to, to say bye, Tiger. No, I'm not ready for that. Well, let's uh, move on because we <laughs> are running a little bit shorter in time. Uh, we're going to go now to the practice range where every week Fred and I pick a topic and each of us take our own shots at it. This week, we're going to be talking about the WGC, the World Golf Championships. And uh, we have a discussion. And uh, Fred, uh, you were adamant about how great 
the WGC Mexico was. Unfortunately, I wasn't even I wasn't able to 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 see or even do the any recaps on it, uh, reviews on it. But I take your word for it, and and uh, I I've read a lot of great things about it. So I think it, it was a great great thing. I, I've even read somewhere that they were like oh, it would have never been the same if it would have been played in Doral. And that, that's no. a big knock. It was a big knock no. on, on, on them. And uh, there, you have so many questions on it, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about it. I'm going to react to them, whether they should be more international. Uh, was really Mexico an international event or is it part of the U.S.? Uh, you know, right now only China has been the only historically held outside of the U.S. You also come into the should match play be moved around where they, they stack up against the majors, the regular tour events, or the players, the precise. Uh, tell us a little bit about your take on this, the WGCs and the WGC Mexico. Yeah, I'll just kind of do it a little quickly, uh, Carlos. I'll just kind of breeze through here real fast. But uh, um, should the WGC events be more international? Well, since the first WGC event was held in 1999, 55, I'm sorry, 59 medal, and match play events have been contested under the WGC banner, plus the seven World Cups from 2000 to 2006 that bore the WGC mantra. Greg Norman was threatening to start a world golf tour in the mid to late 1990s, and the PGA Tour, along with the European Tour, came up with the idea of the WGC events to offer larger purses and give the top players from around the world a chance to compete on a big stage for big bucks. The WGC HSBC Champions is, of course, played in China every year and started in 2009. Other than that, the three invitational events have been played in the continental U.S. until the WGC Cadillac held at Doral, lost its sponsor Cadillac, and was picked up by Mexico as a means to raise awareness of Mexico City as a safe travel environment to attract international travels to the large city. Was Mexico really an international event? I mean, Mexico seems more like a part of the U.S. Yeah, it's Central America. It's a different country, but it ain't very far away. I was not a fan of the WGC at Doral being moved outside the U.S., I have to admit. But let me be the first to say how much I love the course and the excitement generated in Mexico City. The fans turned out. It seemed to, they seemed to really appreciate the players and the tour being there. China is really the only international event, the HSBC champions. It is at China at the end of the long golf season. Many big-name pros choose to forego traveling there. Phil has really been the only one that's been a supporter. As we have documented and discussed, Asia in general, and China in particular, is fertile ground to expand golf for club, ball, and apparel manufacturers going forward. So it is important. Should the match play be moved around more? Well, the match play has moved to several different courses over its 18-year history. Last year, it finally left Arizona, moved to Austin Country Club, which proved to be a perfect match play golf course. Plus, the location fits nicely with the travel of the Texas swing heading into the Masters. So where do the WGC events stack up to the majors, the regular tour events, uh, you know, the players? Well, 
the fields of the WGCs are limited primarily to the top 50 in the world ranking. Uh, they also normally take a Ryder Cup team members and some other top order of merits from different tours around the world. So usually they max out around 70-some players. The match play only takes, they, they cap it at 64. Um, so, um, you know, the field vary a little bit, but you never have much more than about 75 to 80 players. The purse size, $9.75 million, which puts them just under the majors, uh, really, they're ahead of the, you know, in, in, in U.S. dollars, they're ahead of the Open Championship now. Um, why not have a, a world golf event in uh, Australia or Korea, Japan or Europe? You know, should these things be moved around a little bit more? Um, in April of 2011, the Sunshine Tour announced that it would host a fifth WGC event, the event to be known as the Tournament of Hope was to be linked to the awareness of poverty and HIV-AIDS in Africa. But it just never was able to get off the ground, and it, it, was, uh, it ended up being scratched. But, Carlos, I really think where the European tour is at right now and where they're going, I, I think Keith Pelley could maybe get one more WGFC event in Europe sometime uh, during the summer months. Maybe, maybe deal it around the Open Championship sometime, you know, the Scottish Open is getting to be a big deal over there. It's, the only thing is it's the week before. You might want to move it up a week or something. Um, you know, the, the Euro PGA at Wentworth is a big deal. Uh, good, another good candidate would be the BMW in Germany. So, um, you know, there's some candidates for this thing. Uh, and I think Europe or Asia, um, I think Europe needs a WGC event. I, I really think they do. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there. i got one more comment to make, but I'm going to stop right there and let you make any comments you want to make of what I've said so far. Sure. Um, let, like I said, I, I didn't get to watch a lot of, uh, unfortunately nothing about the, the Mexico WGC event this week. I, rem- I just remember that everybody, most everybody assumed that the reason why that tournament was in Mexico City was because of Donald Trump's infamous comments about the Mexican immigrants. But as you might remember, and this was quite funny, as Roy McIlroy joked when the the tourist exit from Doral was announced last June, he said, it's quite quite ironic that we're going to Mexico after being at Doral, but we just jump over the wall to get there. After... It was said by PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan that was not the case. The reason why it was not there was because the WC Cadillac, uh, it was because the PGA Tour just couldn't sell one of its most iconic tournaments to a title sponsor, which might or might not have been linked to Donald Trump's uh, comments and situation at the moment. But it truly gives and brings into what I'm going to say, and it's that I truly think WGCs should be like they're meant to be, World Golf Championships. I don't think they should all be inside the U.S. And yes, Mexico is just over the border. It's still international, but it's just a, just a short flight from where they are to where it's played. I mean, it, it doesn't count to me as something that they're going that far. So I would really push 
for one of the WGCs to be played in Europe. There's already one in Asia. I would love to see if the other WGC would be swung or all four. I mean, all of them, I think they should be played somewhere else every year. Okay. Like I, I would do, uh, on the, in the Asia, I would do, uh, a change of scenery. I would play one in China. Then the next year, let's see, let's move to Japan. Let's move to Australia, Korea. You know, I, I would give that area a WGC every year. I would give one as well to Europe and I would give one in Latin America, rotating, just so that you can promote those great players that are playing there because you're having 50, most of the time, the top 50 players in the world playing in that tournament. What a better way for you to promote golf around the world. And that's what they are meant to be, their world golf championships. I mean, what other better way than that? Uh, should match play move around, be a move around that goes with what I'm just saying. I would just move them all. To me, that would be just the, the, the basic case of it, uh, the main idea. I really like there. Definitely, I'd stack them up. When you make the question about stacking up uh, to the majors or the regular tour events uh, or the players' championship, uh, it's, it's a really hard question because it's, it depends on the point of view of what do you consider it makes an event great. Is it the players that are in it? Is it because it's a big, uh, big field that then it makes it great? Is it the, the tour venue or whatever it is? You have to really think. To me, a great tournament is made when a lot of great players are in it. That's what I, I consider it. So to me, it's just be below the majors because the majors are just what what they are. They're classic. They're timeless. That's what everybody wants to win. But below that, you have the WGCs. They have the money. They have the players. They have to be stacked right there. So uh, that'll be my, my brief statement on this, and uh, I'll swing it back to you before we go to our, our VAG. Yeah, only, I've only heard one negative or one concern uh, for this thing in Mexico, and that's the fact that the way the schedule falls this year, the WGCs with Mexico and then with the match play killed the Florida swing. Nicholas, the, the Honda classic, which Jack Nicholas is tied very closely to the top six players in the world did not play in the Honda because they took it a week off ahead of the WGC Mexico. So now you're coming back to Tampa. You're going to play the API. Then you're going to play the match play. Again, guys are not coming back to Florida to play. They're taking their time off, and they're going to get ready for the match play and maybe play an event in Texas and then go to the Masters. So that they have just really, and Nicholas said, you know what, if you're going to do this, you've got to hold Mexico the week after Riviera before they come to Florida, then have the Florida swing, then have the match play and go to the Masters if that's what you're going to do. But going back and forth, really hurt the Florida swing without Doral there this year as that anchor event. So that's the only negative I heard about it, Carlos. And all in all, I just, I, I can't wait for them to get back to that golf course in Mexico city again next year. Cause that is a beauty. I loved it. 
Well, now let's move on to our very important guest of the week. Her name is Wendy Doolin. She was born in Australia and spent 16 years on the LPGA Tour. She won three LPGA Tour events and as well as two international titles. In 2004, she beat Annika Sorenstam to win the Evian Masters before it became a major on the LPGA Tour. She currently plays on the LPGA Legends Tour. She just finished T33 in the opening event of the 2017 Legends Tour season. Plus, she's a respected golf coach and teacher in Lakeland, Florida. So Fred set up uh, this uh, interview for us. Well, I happened to meet uh, Miss Doolin uh, on the floor at the PGA show, and um, um, I told her at the time we'd like to have her on the show sometime, and so she agreed, and so we were able to get a hold of her. Uh, I kind of messed up a little bit. I was thinking that the Legends Tour started this week, and I, we should have played this interview last week, but it, anyhow, it didn't work out. But um, So we're a week behind here, but she brings a unique perspective uh, as a former LPGA Tour player, well, she still plays a few events on the LPGA Tour, but she plays uh, more on the Legends Tour now. And uh, so she brings the experience. She's come through the down years, and we talk about that a little bit in the interview. And then, Carlos, the big uh, new the new tournament, the, the Legends Tour now has a major, uh, the Senior LPGA uh, Legends and uh, Championship. And uh, we can't wait for that, or French Lick, and so we talk about that a little bit. So go ahead and roll it quick. Our guest tonight is Wendy Doolin, a former LPGA Tour professional with three career wins on the, on the LPGA and two more internationally to her credit. She now plays on the Legends Tour, which opens the season this week with the Walgreens Charity Classic in Sun City, Arizona. Wendy, welcome to the Back Nine Report. Hi, Fred. How are you today? Well, I'm not too bad. Uh, Toledo, Ohio is a little warmer than normal this time of year, but you were telling me that the uh, you just had a nice round in 70-80-degree uh, weather in Florida today. Yes, went out early this morning uh, around 8 o'clock and just had a bit of a hit the, uh, before it got too hot. You played on the LPGA Tour from 1996 to 2012, had a pretty long career. So what was the biggest change that you witnessed during your time? I think the biggest change was the influx of international players. I think they were a lot more Americans on tour when I first came out I was my age group I'm kind of you know Jane Crafter was before me and Sharon Smyers and Jan of course but you know then uh, the Australians also came and I think for the LPGA you know just from speaking from an Australian point of view it it became okay to play professional golf kind of around the time that I, I decided to turn pro which was in 1991 I think things changed in Australia then, and Sayri Pak actually had a huge influence on the Korean, the Korean girls, and she, you know, came to America and she won the Open and she did so well, and and then uh, the Koreans saw that, and that's I think that was the beginning of of the influx of uh, the Koreans, and now we have uh, Shen Chen Fang, which would be Chinese, and of course we have girls from Thailand, I mean, everywhere. So, sure. you know, yeah. I, I still think it starts with somebody from that country. Like, you know, Area Jutanagan has done so well in last year from Thailand, and I think, you know, that's going to see down the road we're going to see an influx of young Thai girls 
you know, as a result of that. And it, it's pretty much the way it happens, I think, through those countries. Yeah, a couple of things there. You mentioned Seiwe Pack, which we're very familiar with Seiwe here in Toledo. She won the Marathon Classic with formerly the Jamie Farr five times, a U.S. Women's Open champ. So a very successful career. And, and uh, she was really honored as she retired last year in Korea, by, and especially by the, the current Korean uh, crop of players. And you also mentioned that uh, the Thai women, uh, Aria and Maria Jutanagarn, uh, there's a couple other ladies, young ladies that have come to the U.S. and placed in there. But here in Toledo, at the University of Toledo, the women's golf coach has a real pipeline to, uh, to Thailand. I think uh, there are four or five young women on her golf team that have come to Toledo from Thailand to play here in the United States in college. So. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, they're becoming very I mean, college is, I mean, college is such a great avenue for, for young girls, you know, make a step over here. I think there are a lot more boys that are, are much better than girls at the, at that age, you know, between the ages of, well, college age, 18 to 23. I think boys tend to be a lot better than girls, and I think girls get good if they decide to work at it when they come to school. I, I just think college is such a great opportunity for a young girl that, you know, may have aspirations of playing on tour and get an education at the same time. I think it's a great it's, it's a great way to get an education. Spend a lot of time talking about the merits of leaving school or going to school or, or right. staying in school and, and uh yeah, I guess it comes down to an individual choice. But I will tell you this on that topic is I don't have too many regrets in my life, but I will say that not going to college was one of the things that was different than all the other girls. There have been times that I wish I had gone to college just to experience the relationships and, and the fun of being at school and the fun of being on a team because golf is such an individual sport and I think you know, college is a great way to be able to make it a team sport. Yep, I, we hardly agree with you. You came through the dark days of 2009 to 2011 on the, on the LPGA Tour when you know, tournaments were limited, and you, I think it went down to about 23 one year, and maybe one of those were canceled. Uh, not nearly the 35 tournaments of today and playing for $70 million. What What are some of your thoughts on the job that Commissioner Michael Wan has done? Well, one of the biggest things is he's a motivator, and he, he gets people on his team, and he's a, he's a great leader. He's intuitive, and, and he, he can see where he wants to go, and he may, may not always know the steps of getting there but you know he'll throw ideas off people and and just wait and see what sticks and that's what he's done he's just he's just gone out there and put his foot in every bucket of hot water and just to see see what's going to work and and that's why the LPGA is in such a healthy state today I think is you know he wasn't he wasn't reserved in any way and he, he just went out there and just told people how good we are you know what great personalities we have and I think one of the biggest reasons of the decline, in my opinion, was just the lack of American players. People really didn't know the foreign players that were coming in, and I think that was kind of part of what happened. I mean, aside from all the different commissioners we've had. But I think that when Mike came in, he was so motivated to see everything change, and he had so many great ideas, and he put a team around him that were able to follow through on everything, and, and that's why he did so, what he is doing so well. It's been an incredible turnaround. 
Todd, you talk about international players. We talked about that earlier. Uh, of course, you being from Australia, being an international player yourself, what is your response to maybe some of those that still criticize the LPGA for being dominated by international players? Play better. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all you can say. Just go practice and play better. Yeah, yeah, right. If whoever's complaining is probably missing out on a spot in a tournament or whatever the case is, you know, people tend to complain about things they don't know about or jealousy. I mean, that's why people complain. So, you know, in my mind, if you want to play on the LPGA, you've got to be really, really good and you have to work really, really hard. And I find that when I, I go to tournaments from time to time, matter of fact, I'm going to play KPMG this year, you go out there and, and the people that work the hardest are the people that win and the people that work the hardest are the people that keep their cards. Now, hardest doesn't always mean hours, but in the case of uh, some of the cultures, it does mean hours. You know, work hard and, and get the results. If if something's not working, figure out a way to change it or find somebody who can help you change it. So that's all i got to say. I'd play better. Yep. That pretty much sums it up. Hey, let's talk just a minute about the Legends Tour before we let you go. Uh, they uh, they made a big announcement with the addition of the first major tournament <laughs> for yay. the Legends Tour. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yay, yay. Senior, you know, we've got the you know we've got the Champions Tour and and you know we got so the the European Tour has their senior division, but the women, you know, you had a senior tour, but nobody knew about it. You know, this new senior LPGA championship to be played at French Lick on the P. Dye course, July 9th through 12th, should do a lot to bring the awareness of the legends of the senior women's game to the public, you think? Yeah, this is so exciting. Yeah, there are a lot of girls that have been working really hard with uh, Mike in, in, in making this happen, and there are a lot of people that did a lot of hard work behind the scenes to make this happen. The girls that play on the Legends Tour are the they just haven't had an opportunity to showcase how fantastic they really are. It's just unfortunately on TV and some things get overshadowed for whatever reason and and the Champions Tour seem to be bigger than the LPGA and uh, Legends for, uh, you know, obvious reasons. But I think that we have... I love going out there to play and play with Nancy and, and Pat Bradley. Patty Sheehan, Rosie Jones. I mean, all of the girls that I was playing against when I first came on tour are now playing out here, and it's just so much fun to be able to go and hang out. And and as a coach now, um, I learn so much more from being able to play with these ladies. It's just I can can watch them hit shots and then go back and explain to somebody how they can get the ball in the hole from wherever they are based on the, you know, being able to watch somebody else do it because it's easier to see somebody else do it than it is yourself. <laughs> I yeah. found out as a coach. But, you know, we're, we're excited. The Legends, we love playing golf. We love having fun. The Pete Dye course is just fantastic. The atmosphere, French Lick, the, the town, everything's great about French Lick. I've been there a couple, three times already, and, and we just love being there, and we're just so grateful for the opportunity to play the uh, first Senior LPGA Championship at Fresh Lake. Should be a great event, and we should also mention that the uh, three days prior to that, the Sumatra Tour will be holding the Donald Ross Centennial Classic on the historic Ross course at French Lake. 
mm-hmm. July 7th through 9th. So you're going to have a, a, a Sumatra Tour event with young women that are trying to make it to the LPGA Tour. And you're going to have the, the next three days after that, you're going to have, or the four days, you're going to have the, uh, the Senior LPGA Championship on the Legends Tour so, you know, that that should be just an exciting weekend. And as you mentioned, French Lick Resort is such a great place. I think the, the Symmetra Tour girls are going to have a fantastic time. It's a great facility. It's a nice practice facility. It's a lovely range. It, the golf course is just picturesque. You're just not going to see. I haven't seen anything else like it anywhere else in the world. What Dave Connor and those guys do is just unbelievable. They just bring us in and they just take care of everything. We never want for a thing when we're there. It's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Wendy, just one more thing. Uh, you mentioned your coaching. You're doing some teaching and coaching in the Florida area. That's correct? I, uh, yeah, I'm based at Grasslands Country Club in, in Lakeland, Florida, and that's my job. I teach now, and I love coaching. I I, I love to help people shoot lower scores and, and help them, you know, reach their potential in golf, and I just love working with all levels of player, and I like the challenge, and I like learning. Um spending a lot of time learning from people that know way more than I do, which is kind of fun to be studying and uh, watching people teach. But uh, I just love it. love to see people get better. Just to receive a text from somebody and say, hey, guess what? I shot my low round today is, is definitely uh, very rewarding. We've been talking with Wendy Doolin, former LPGA Tour player, now coach and teacher in Florida. And, Wendy, if someone wanted to get a hold of you get some information, what's the best way to find you? Easy to find me, wendydoolangolf.com. Good. E-N-D-Y-D-O-O-L-A-N-Golf.com, correct? It is. All righty. Wendy, thanks so much for talking with us today. We really appreciate it. And we're going to be watching for you uh, on the Legends Tour and, uh, and checking out your scores. Thanks, Fred. It's been fun. Unfortunately, we are running out of time, Fred, so we're not going to be able to no do uh, on on the next. But uh, if, anything you want to add before I close the show? No, just a pleasure talking to her. She's really a lot of fun, and uh, I enjoyed meeting her down in Florida. I'm glad we were able to get her on the show for a little bit. It was great. Well, Backniners, that wraps up another week of the Backnine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our VIG, very important guest of the week, Legend Store player Wendy Doolan. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, check it out on iTunes or TuneIn or also on Roku TV. And if you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Backnine Report with the number nine in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody.